This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Wait, 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 we're doing that Brooklyn Nets, Brooklyn talk. Nets talk right here on Talking Nets. Brooklyn, we go hard. We go, go hard. Talking Nets. Hosted by Keith McPherson, Robin Lundberg, and Hudson Flynn. Yes, sir. Welcome back to Talking Nets, episode 185. When you last heard us, we gave you a bonus little quick hit on Friday, previewing the Celtics game. Now we're back for a full episode. Keith McPherson, Robin Flynn, or Robin Flynn. Wow, I'm I'm, I'm struggling a little, guys. I don't mm. think I've ever said that. <laughs> it is I, Robin Flynn. Robin Flynn here. Robin <laughs> Flynn and Hudson Lundberg. You guys fuse like Dragon Ball Z, but uh, here we are. Nets lose back-to-back games without KD, and uh, we're looking for answers. We're looking for guys to step up. I don't think any Nets fans are pleased with uh, the last two games at home, losing those without the face of the franchise, but how you doing, Robin Lumberg? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Look, I'm not going to um, get too bent out of shape over a, a two-game losing streak, but I, I know how it is, and, and I know a couple of uh, players – that we will probably discuss at length today. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I tend to agree that we shouldn't as Nets fans uh, begin to overreact. I see people already, even major Nets accounts. Uh, I won't name names that are saying that, Oh, this looks just like last year, 12 straight losses on the way. Uh, don't panic all that much. But the last thing I'll say is I'm going to, I'm going to agree with some of the sentiments that we're getting in the comments. The giants win last night. That that certainly helped with my with my overall mood and made that uh, less of a tough pill to swallow. Uh, Daniel Jones seems to be that guy, so I'm happy about that. Walking your trap, take over your trap. Walking your trap, take over your trap. Bankroll fresh, two chains. They uh they're vibing different. I'm I'm a Cowboys fan and I'm dreading the game tonight. Um, but I can't hate on the Giants. Like they're the story of the NFL. Yeah, Brock Purdy. Yeah, Doug Peterson. But as a whole, from the coach to the players to the quarterback, the running back that fans were literally ready to quit on, the G-men are back. But not all Nets fans are Giants fans. A lot of them are Jets fans. So you're probably more interested in Lamar Jackson, and we're not going to get into that. We're going to get into these two games and, I guess, the vibe around the team and the fans. Uh, I went to the game Thursday, so... We'll start there. That Celtics loss burns. I think the Celtics are 9-0 and against the Nets. Or their last nine games, they've beat the Nets. And uh, the Nets lose to the Celtics 109-98 Thursday in Brooklyn. And the place was packed. There was a good representation of Celtics fans, I will say that. Uh, but when is there not? You know, Boston people live in New York specifically. Some of them probably live in Brooklyn. But when that game started, I felt good. When that game started, you had guys shooting the ball, Joe Harris, uh, and then T.J. Warren. You had guys getting shots up from three. They hoisted a lot of threes in the air. Uh, I was, you know, pleased to see Joe Harris 
watch the ball go through and TJ Warren kind of, you know, trying to figure out where the scoring is going to come from without seven. But Kyrie didn't shoot well. And obviously the story of the night, uh, which, you know, wrongfully so, rightfully so, however you see it, however you feel, uh, you know, the Celtics had six, almost seven starters in double digits. And the Nets had a starter put together almost a zero point triple double. I thought Clax was aggressive and played tough, but you know what? Uh, you, you need to get rebounds, and uh, I'll pass it around the horn and get you guys' thoughts on the Celtics' loss. The last thing I'll say about it is they rested Jalen Brown, who had 41 points the night before. They also rested Al Horford, and they knew that they could stay with the Nets and eventually beat the Nets. They held Jason Tatum to nine points in the first half. I think he ended up with like 12 late. Uh, with seconds left but you know the Celtics came in with a plan executed that plan and they knew they could do that not at full strength so it was definitely deflating to see uh, you know late in that game the Nets just couldn't stay with them and they were able to close out Robin look the Celtics have dominated the Nets there's no other way to put it I have Celtics fans friends who say since uh, Kyrie stepped on the, the the lucky or whatever his name is on on the, the damn court whatever the case may be but it's it's very much like uh the way that the Nets have owned the Knicks, right? Uh, this is on a, a grander scale because the Boston Celtics are, right now I would say, the, the clear favorite to win the NBA championship. And the, the bar, the measuring stick, the Nets need to reach. And, and I was looking forward to this game because I thought it was the, the way the Nets have been playing, the chance to see how they stack up against them. Unfortunately, when you take KD off the table, and I know Boston wasn't fully healthy either, it, it's no longer that litmus test game, but you still want the, the Nets to get a win. And there's just no smack talk that Brooklyn fans can have towards Boston fans right now. Uh, There's two players you alluded to there. And I alluded to at the top of the show that I I think are are going to be off discussed. We'll we'll start with Kyrie Irving, former Celtic. One is Kyrie who has been in a shooting slump and Kyrie is, is brilliant, um, brilliantly talented uh, as good a, a, a tight scorer as there is in the league. But I think we now have enough return to say definitively over years uh, kind of of data, not just small sample. He's not a number one. You know, Kyrie thrives in that number two role where he can play off of someone else, which allows him to play to his strengths, which is creating off the dribble, you know, uh, improvising, if you will. He's not exactly a playmaker, right? He's not exactly the kind of guy that you expect to break down the defense and set up others. That's just not his game. And he also doesn't impact the game in a bunch of ways outside of scoring. You know, part of that's just due to his size, not really through any fault of his own. But you're never thinking, oh, man, Kyrie's going to dominate this game on defense. Or Kyrie's going to dominate this game with intangibles or whatever the case may be. Kyrie's going to score. That's what he does. He thrives next to LeBron, the the best period of his career in that role. And the the best stretch of basketball the Nets have had is, is where we just saw that, him doing it off of KD. When he's been thrust into that lead role, it hasn't worked out as well. And then there's Ben Simmons who did have the zero points uh, against Boston. I think he might have been the only net who was a net positive in that game. Plus it, 10, yep. Yeah, single game plus minus. You know, his foul trouble was was almost, to me, a bigger deal than his lack of scoring in that game because it took him off the floor. But sometimes, you know, when you put your tinfoil hat on, you do wonder if some of that stuff is related a little bit. He's reckless with the fouls and with the screens. And does he, you know, is there a part of him that's subconsciously saying, let me get in foul trouble so I'm not playing at the end of the game? And then there's also, you know, I'm going to take it one step further. He has that zero points. 
He says he's going to need to score more. And then all of a sudden his back flares up and he's not playing in the next game. I'm not accusing. I'm just saying there's at least enough given he hasn't exactly proven to be the the most uh, mentally tough player where you do wonder sometimes if, if something can be amiss with him. And on that topic, you do have to wonder if one of the reasons that that became an issue was this was the first game where you really saw some serious Ben Simmons boo birds come out for passed up shots. It, there was some serious booing. Uh, I believe it was on. He, he was going in for a layup, not quite as egregious as the, the, the layup he passed out of when he was with Philly. But he, he was going for a layup, tried to um, dish it off while he was in midair. It actually could have been a, a good pass. It would have been an easy setup if the pass was a little bit better, a little crisper. But that brought some serious boos out from Nets fans. And I have been someone who has been in the camp of we have to give him time. You know, right now we've solidified ourselves enough as a team that we can hopefully get to the playoffs and have him have as much of, of, of a chance, as much of a runway to do what he does and what he can do uh, in the playoffs. But like we talked about in our last little mini episode, he has to step up. He has to step up in a certain way. And at a certain point, it's not about whether or not he's, his scoring numbers are there. What, what I think is probably the most you know, fear-inducing for Nets fans is the lack of attempted shots. I don't think Nets fans would complain if he was going up, putting up 10 shots a game and missing them all. I mean, we've had plenty, we had plenty of players in that game. Kyrie Irving shot 37 from the field, you know, 25% from three, right? It's not something that Nets fans are going to be upset about him for. And it's almost an interesting situation that he's found himself in because that level of fear or anxiety or whatever it may be that is preventing him from taking shots and being more assertive as a scorer seems to be actually doing him more harm with the fan community uh, as a whole, which I know is something he struggled with in the past. So I think he's in a bit of a, a conundrum here with his lack of shooting, lack of effort when it comes to taking shots specifically. So we're having the Ben Simmons conversation right now. Let's go around the horn on it. I'll, I'll chime in. I was in there. I was in the arena and shout out to the block. It was good to be back in section one with the Brooklyn Brigade. And, you know, it's a family vibe. You know, we've seen a bunch of games together. Uh, you know, some of those guys for 10 years, I've been involved the last three years, but the boo birds, you talk about the boo birds. It's frustrating to watch a guy pass up a shot when he's in the paint. And Jock Vaughn came out and talked about how many threes they put up and their lack of shot attempts in the paint. And obviously you miss that with KD, who's having a historic year or was having a historic year from the mid range and in the paint. But for Ben Simmons, he had three shot attempts it was almost like he was trying to go for the scoreless double-double. And that's frustrating for fans to watch because we're trying to keep pace. We're trying to score. And we've talked about it on this podcast, Robin. Shoot the ball. It's basketball. The whole point of the game is to try and put the basket into – or the basket into the ball. The ball into the basket. And when you pass up on shots consistently – it messes up the flow of the game. And you think the Celtics don't know that? You think the Celtics aren't prepared for that? They are. But I understand there was a, a fraction of people that wanted to defend Ben Simmons. There's no more defense. And I understand you could say people are like, you know, the uh, the people that think that they're better than casual fans or think that they know more because they played JV a season. Like those people are, are out to say he played a great game or not a great game, a good game. I hope no one said great because of him setting screens, playing defense, getting rebounds but it's like part of the game 
is taking the open shot when you have it. So for me, like my patience is is done. This is it, right? Because when we first started talking about making that trade, I didn't want it. Why? Because I knew that we were going to take on this headache. I knew we were going to adopt this player that was going to be a shell of himself 40 days or 400 days removed from his last game where he did pass up on an open layup or could have punched it. Now, it's our problem. And I look at the Nets as they're currently constructed as like this. Everything happens for a reason. You know, Hudson has cited this is why KD sent the trade request. What are you doing without me? KD pretty much knows he's going to get hurt. What's the team without me? And it's a test for Ben Simmons. He failed the first one. His back flared up after that. And he sits the next one, and they lose without him. They could have used him last night. And with Kyrie, we we were talking about during the stretch of winning uh, 12 in a row, extend Kyrie, extend Kyrie. Well, now the microscope is on Kyrie even more. Let's see what you do. I understand if you're better as Robin, but we need you to be Batman right now. You've been Batman before. Let's see it. So right now the focus is on those two guys because the Nets big three, when you subtracted Harden, turned into KD, Kyrie, and Ben Simmons. And right now, Ben Simmons, I don't care how many screens he sets. I don't care how many rebounds and assists he has. He hurts the team by not going up. And this is the last thing I'll say about it before we pass it around again and go to Robin. I watched the game on Martin Luther King Day, I want to say 2019. Me and John Sable, who's usually in the uh, chat, Mr. Byrne Notice, we went to the game. It was Sixers Nets on Martin Luther King Day. And Ben Simmons had a 34-point triple-double with Kendall Jenner sitting courtside. And I actually had good seats thanks to John. We were about six rows back. And I remember watching him abuse Jared Allen. He had every move in his bag. He had his way in the paint. And after I saw that with my own eyes and I saw how he played against the Celtics with my own eyes, this is not the same guy. And now the Nets have this light version of Ben Simmons, in my opinion, the experiment is over. The waiting period is over. He's not going to just magically wake up one day. Even when he shows you some games of being aggressive or taking more shots, he's not going to wake up someday this season and be what he was. And this season is an all-in season for the Brooklyn Nets where they don't have time for a project. The trade deadline approaches in a couple weeks. See if you can move him. See if you get somebody else to do what he does and that can score there's no more time for the coddling of Ben Simmons. This is a max contract guy. This is a rookie of the year, number one overall pick. I've, I've personally moved on from it. I didn't have high expectation, expectations of him. I told you, I don't expect anything from Ben Simmons. But now I expect the Nets to do something because he's not the answer. He He's scared to shoot the ball because he's scared to go to the free throw line where he's going to miss shots and be embarrassed. He's a liability late in games because of that. His whole game messes up. The, the entire game. So I'm I'm personally good on it if the Nets think that they have a chance to compete. You just saw how they competed against a team that's above them in the standings that went to the Eastern Conference Finals and won it last year, sweep, sweeping the Nets. The Nets know who they have to go get, and they're not going to get them with Ben Simmons. Even if KD was in that game Thursday, I don't know if they win. Robin? You know, with Ben Simmons, it's talent and trust. You know, he's got talent, um, but you can't really trust him. And you, you see that talent. I mean, you saw that talent against the Celtics. He played really well in the first half of that game. He was, you know, he, he was getting dimes to match his jersey number. He was setting guys up, uh, and, and he was playing really well. I want to see him put his head down and drive to the cup. 
You know, I didn't even mind the Nick Claxton pass. I thought that one was overblown. I thought it was actually a good play and a good read. I, I think if he dumps that off right, that's a dunk for Claxton. But then the, the next time in, he comes in and almost like he's like forced to shoot and kind of just chucks up a layup. He, he's not his drive numbers are, are way down. And you know, I, I, again, he has not earned the benefit of the doubt. So, like I was alluding to before, you start to wonder. I hope the back flare-up was just random because he had back surgery. He has reasons to be behind the curve. He didn't play for a long time. He had back surgery. But you, it does make you go, hmm, did this happen as a result of, of him being criticized right after those games? And, of course, you have to look to trade him. The problem is he's not of any value. You realize, like, you have to attach value to move Ben. So Ben could be the salary in a deal, but the the picks, you know, the Philly pick, whatever else picks the, the Nets have left over – after the, the Harden trade, they would have to be attached to move Ben Simmons. So it's not like you're getting anything back for Ben Simmons. So let's not delude ourselves in, in that regard. There's no secret. Everybody knows what to do with Ben Simmons. Don't guard him. And you can play, you know, the, the guy who's got him can play free safety on a- anybody else, which makes everything more difficult when Katie's out, uh, especially, you know, because then it's, it's, it's the focus is on Kyrie, like you said. Now, Ben didn't even play in the game against Oklahoma City, and they probably missed him in that game just from a talent standpoint when you start adding that up. And, and with, with Kyrie, you know, I, I really do have the lamest superhero name when, when everybody gets, you know, they're a Robin. Uh, you know, you got to ride on the outside of the motorcycle. But with, with Kyrie, I, I said it before, but it, part of this is size. But LeBron's the ultimate example of a guy who impacts the game in every way. Kevin Durant has gotten to that level where you know he's going to score, but you also know he can run the offense. You also know he's going to make an impact on the defensive end of the court. All those things that that make a complete basketball player. And I think when you're looking at the MVPs of the league, all of those guys check those boxes. You know, they're having an impact on, uh, on multiple levels of the game. And w- with Kyrie, the only way I'm really expecting him to put his imprint on the game is, is in points per game. Yeah, and and just to wrap up the Ben Simmons discussion, because I feel like I got the first rip on it. When you're talking about trades, I know Keith is very gung-ho about looking for a trade for him. He's a negative asset for the Nets. like And and as Robin said, you have to package him with things. But even if you're a tanking team, that's putting a rock on a sinking ship when you're tied up for a three-year max contract for a player that has a complete unwillingness and definitely not an inability, but an unwillingness, which is worse, to score the basketball in addition to the things he does. And he did show a lot of good things. There was a reason he was a plus 10 against the Boston Celtics, but that type of, of, of a play is good for a plus ad. If we saw that kind of a performance, that, that style of a performance from someone like Cam Thomas, we're like, Oh wow, that is a plus ad from someone with a max contract. You can't, you can't be okay with that. You can't continue to say, Oh, he's coming back from an injury and not to psychoanalyze any of the players on the nets. Ben, uh, Kevin Durant does not seem like the kind of person that would get along with that vibe. He does not seem like the kind of person who would get along with a player who has the talent to score but refuses to. So I, I, I am almost a little worried that the longer that Ben Simmons stays on the nets, the more that might rub Kevin Durant the wrong way, which would be an actual catastrophe. Hey, never say never. And I know we, that's why I said, like, I'm, I'll never forget the day that the rumors broke. I walked into WFA and I wasn't on yet, but Craig and Evan brought me into their show and they're like, Initial reaction, you you want this James Harden trade? And I said, no, to take on Ben Simmons? 
No, I'm like force Harden to play and figure it out in the offseason. Do not succumb to him pouting, him selling, him giving up on the team and inherit another headache. We've got enough headaches. And now like here we are with Ben Simmons where in the beginning he showed flashes and we were patient. But we're halfway through the season. And I, and I know no one wants him, right? The only team that was dumb enough to take him on was the Nets because they had an, a player quit on them. They had no other option. And what did they package Ben Simmons with? Andre Drummond, Seth Curry, picks. Like, I don't know. Never say never in Marks We Trust, right? Sean Marks, figure something else out. But I know what they're going to figure out. They're going to figure out how to get another player in here and just have Ben's minutes be less and not have to rely on him. But that does nothing for us as Nets fans right now where we currently are with Kevin Durant out for a month. And we just expected to rely on Ben. He played one game. And he was accountable after the game in his post game, But, of course, the back flares up going into this next game. So let's talk about OKC. And honestly, I was so deep into football. I had this game on picture in picture. I did not miss a second of the NFL. I don't know if y'all are like me. I love the NBA. I love Major League Baseball. But the NFL is king. And for my job, I need to know what went on in all those games. And for my regular self, I'm betting on all of those games. I have a couple hundred dollars on every game. So like for OKC game, I'm not, that's not taking up the whole big screen. I had my eye on it. And at first I was all right with it. But then late in that game, I'm just like, bruh, like they came out in that fourth quarter, put up 37 to the Nets, 22. I'm just like, this isn't the same team, obviously without Kevin Durant, but I'm like, this is a team whose MO was closing out games. This is a team who was stealing games in the fourth. This is a team where Kyrie was leading the league in fourth quarter points, and now they seem like they've lost their way. I can't blame Jacques Vaughn. Obviously, they don't have seven. But, yeah, watching the Nets lose back-to-back home games without KD, you know, I think the second game is when people now went from Ben Simmons, right? You can't be mad at Ben Simmons twice. He didn't play in the second game. But now in the second game, when people are seeing Kyrie had only 15 points, he did have six assists. He did have six rebounds. Now the focus has shifted to Kyrie, and I already mentioned it. All of this talk about extend Kyrie, extend Kyrie. No one's saying that right now. It, it, it goes week to week. The narrative, Basketball Association, there's a different narrative every week. And right now people are looking for Kyrie to go out. Like the last two games, people have been telling me Kyrie's going for 40. Kyrie's going for 40. I'm just like, for him to go for 40, he's going to have to take 40 shots. <laughs> he's going to have to make more than half of them. I don't mean to laugh at Kai, love Kai, but let's be for real. They're not looking at extending him. If he can show that he's a star player without Kevin Durant through this stretch and lead on this next West Coast trip, maybe. But, like, Kyrie, right now, I mean, we went into this first game on Thursday. My seat seat just, like, shrunk. (laughs) We went into this game on Thursday thinking Kyrie was going dark mode. You know, deleted his Instagram. Actually, Instagram suspended his account. Which is great, um, by the way. But, but I, I, great news. Nah, I was back. like, he's back. Yeah, he's, oh, back. He's, he's back. back. <laughs> he's already like, back. Hey, he's already even, back. Even if we get a couple days off from who knows what's coming through that story or that feed, I don't mind it. I thought it, I looked at it as, whew, hey, one less platform to uh, cause some drama. But yeah, in this OKC game, those don't sleep on those boys. I told you in the last episode that they waxed the Celtics. And they get like that, like Dort and Giddy and obviously uh, SGA. Like, don't sleep on them because of their record. Don't sleep on them because they're OKC. They're young. 
but they they are going to be a problem in a in a couple years. Um, they don't even have Chet right now. Like they're they're going to be decent. And I think on a Sunday night, um, you know, the Nets came out there and shout to Seth Curry, man, just at least being able to put up some points when called on coming off the bench. He he said he was used to being a starter, this that and the other, but I mean he's been solid um, these last couple of weeks for the Nets, but. I don't know what you guys have on that. Nick Claxton gave us 17, uh, 11 points from Royce. It's just not enough at the end of the day when you have the Thunder, Josh Giddy and SGA going for 28 and then Dort going for 22, and they do enough to win the game. It just now puts a lot in question going on this road trip. I think the tenor has changed. I think the conversation has changed. I think Nets fans now are leaning more into the here we go again um, cause they lost 11 in a row without KD and now they're nine away. I don't think it's going to get that bad folks. I really don't. I, I really, I really encourage you to chill. I really encourage you to watch the games, see what Jacques Vaughn does as a coach to adapt and see who rises and just wait it out. Like it's not all going to be rainbows and butterflies. It's not going to all be a 12 game winning streak. You just lost arguably the best player in the world. We're, we're, we're not the same team right now. Well, you know, they, I think they have the Spurs next too, which, which should help um, you know, take care of business in, in a game like that. But what you see on display is just the lack of creators down KD. I mean, even down KD and then down Ben Simmons, for all the criticism of Ben Simmons, at least for the first half of the game, maybe the first two, th- you know, three quarters of the game, he's going to playmake a bit. And you, you take both those guys off the table and your margin for error is just much, much smaller there. I mean, I, I think... The Nets are the ultimate all-in team, so you will see them, I'm sure, aggressive on the trade market to try and bring in, you know, as close to an all-star level talent as John Collins is a perfect example, right? Like, not saying it's going to be John Collins, but that fringe kind of all-star level talent, just a a talent in in flux. But there's not that, you know, many teams that are clearly just looking to, to unload assets right now. The play-in tournament changes things as far as that goes. So I don't know exactly what you can count on. But you, you get to the, these games, and who, who are you relying on? You know Nick Claxton now. Nick Claxton's a legit stud. But he's not that kind of player where he's going to create from the perimeter. So Kyrie is struggling. It's just, You're in a bad spot. Because Seth Curry can do it at times, but he's just not uh, on that level. And then it, it gets into the hands of, of Royce O'Neal to do it, and that's not what he's supposed to be doing. And it gets in the hands of Joe Harris to do it. And, and Joe Harris, I, I'm just – Joe Harris is just not that good, man. He, he's just not. You know, if, if he ain't making wide open threes, he shouldn't exist on the floor. And and he just – I don't trust him as far as the rotation goes when it comes to the playoffs. Um, so that's another name as far as we're talking a lot of Kyrie. We're talking a lot of Ben Simmons. I, I, I don't trust Joe Harris, and, and he's got to make those open threes or else why does he get a direct deposit? Yeah, and honestly, aside from Nick Claxton, who continues to put up the most consistent four blocks a game and close to 10 rebounds and close to double-digit points I've ever seen, uh, there's really not too much to talk about, and you guys hit most of it. I I honestly just want to say, Josh Giddy is... uh, Watching him is like watching, getting transported back to like the 1960s. I think if he played at the same time as Larry Bird, he would be like the greatest player in NBA history. That man will put, give you the most fundamental 30-point nearly triple-double I've ever seen in my entire life. That's it's he does unreal. what he wants, bro. He looks like he just – he does what he wants. <laughs> he doesn't even get calls. No, he doesn't. He's just, he's just fun to watch as the most boring player 
I've ever seen. It's 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 unreal. But yeah, the Nets just played awful, and we saw all of their weaknesses, especially all their weaknesses without KD. Um, a lot of people talking about Nets need another big, and I agree. We are going to feel that a lot more without KD. People underestimate how much his length means to the Nets, how much his ability to play interior defense and to block shots means for the Nets, because he has really stepped it up from a defensive ass, um, perspective this and this season. So we're, we're seeing a lot of issues like that uh, that are popping up. And I think they're going to keep popping up uh, unless the Nets make some some serious changes going forward because they're not going to be as good without KD. And obviously, but these first two games have shown us that they're not going to be nearly as good. Unfortunately for KD, by the way, the missing the time is likely going to take him out of the MVP conversation yeah. simply because the other guys are going to play more games and, and you don't have value in games you don't play. But when, once again, missing the time is also going to shine a light on the fact that he is uh, on a night in and night out basis as valuable as any player in the league. And what I really wanted to see was KD go against the Celtics again, because that's the one team that sort of had his number. So you, you miss out on that and the Nets lose the, the Nets. Um, almost had control of that game against the thunder and, and they just lose. They, they have to, they have to tread water. That's what we need in the, in this stretch is for them to tread water. I don't think anybody's expecting them to Michael Phelps it, but uh, they don't want to be uh Leonardo DiCaprio on the Titanic either. All right. Well, uh, check me out. We don't have any voicemails. So we have a couple minutes before we wrap here Two two other names I want to bring up um, and then we'll go around the horn. Utah, the shooter cooled off a bit. I don't know if it was the Chandler Parsons hate, Right. I think Chandler Parsons openly putting out there that he doesn't belong in the three point conversation or in the three point convert and the three point competition turned into a conversation. I feel like people have been having that conversation for three weeks now. Some way it got to Utah. Uh, I was in the in the block in section one. I saw him airball corner three and I said, wait, this is the guy leading the league in percentage of corner three shots. And he's kind of cooled off in these last two games. And then the other name I'll throw out there for you guys to speak on, Cam Thomas. Right? We need points. He's supposed to be a bucket. I think he's just young. And I think he's not exactly what uh, Jacques Vaughn is looking for in this system. Or he's not, you know, there yet. And uh, I don't know if it's his his body language. Obviously, we know in the beginning of the season he was talking about free Cam. But, like, if they plan on trading him, don't you want to showcase him right now? and he's getting DMPs against a young team like OKC. Uh, what do you guys think about Yuta? What do you think about Cam Thomas? Well, I think Yuta got hurt. Um, and when Oh, you think hurt, it's his hamstring that's still no, bothering no, him? No, no, I mean, when he got hurt, though, when he came back, he didn't have the – he wasn't in the rotation to quite the same degree. So some of the minutes came down. Um, and, and then, you know, he, he just was playing out of his mind for a minute. I think he's still shooting over 50% from three on the season. So it's not like he's he's hit the tank. I, I've always liked the energy he brings, the the size and everything. But there's a reason he became a sensation because none of us knew who he really was. None of us knew what he really brought to the table. So anything you get from him is almost found money. So I don't want to let, then go like and say he's had a good year and, and, and throw it in the trash because he's not carrying the team. That's just not what he's supposed to do. I, I'm not a believer in Cam Thomas. I think he's had his opportunities. Um, he's, he's had his opportunities to show he can play within the, the team and hasn't played well. He, he's had those, those flourishes. He's had those little, um, you know, spurts. And, and maybe this is a chance to give him another shot at that. I mean, there, there's no harm in doing it. But if we're, we're thinking Cam Thomas is going to be the savior, um, then, then 
there is a him neither him or utah are expected to be like but like he's not even playing and utah's not contributing and utah had games where he was hitting multiple threes you would expect him to rise when we were talking about he's playing off of kd though right like that's what utah does he plays he plays off of guys and and the the more the same without seven yeah and and even ben to a degree too he's another guy that can kick it out to the, the shooter, but especially seven. So wh- when you do that, you start to uh, maximize the limitations of players like Utah. Yeah, and theoretically, starting with Cam, this would be the time that we would see Cam Thomas play. But now that we have Jacques Vaughn as our head coach and not Steve Nash, I trust his decision not to play Cam. If Cam isn't getting minutes, I believe that there is a good reason for that. I think we have a phenomenal coach who's making good decisions and has shown to make good, good decisions throughout the year. If Cam isn't getting minutes then there's something seriously wrong with Cam to the point where I'm worried that maybe his trade value is going to deteriorate because at this point, all I see him as is a, is a trade piece sitting on the nets ready to go to another team at the trade deadline. Uh, and then in terms of Utah, I'm just going to say, uh, Mike Wilson said it in the chat, I'm going to say what Utah said himself. You can't play the same way. You know, it's not as easy to play, especially as a shooter when KD isn't on the floor. He was getting exclusively wide open shots when KD wasn't on the floor. And you're right. He's cooled off, but cooling off from 53% three-point shooting is regressing to the norm. And that norm is a good norm if you've only fallen a couple of points throughout the season. It's it's fairly late in the season for him to continue to have that high three-point percentage it, to the point where it's very impressive. And I think to say that he doesn't belong in the three-point contest, I think is maybe a little bit of a misunderstanding of what the three-point contest is. If it's the best shooters in the same way that the dunk contest is the best dunkers, three-point percentage has to play a part in that and, and Utah's at the top of the league for that it isn't anymore, but was for a long time. By the way, dunk contest, if I was in charge, I, I don't know how I'd make him do it, but it's Ja Morant. If he's healthy, it's Zion, Lori Markinen, and who is the fourth one I want? Anthony Edwards. Mac Anthony Edwards. That was it. Anthony Edwards. Those are the four I would have picked. And not Mac McClung. Um, I'm not <laughs> no, even I'm glad you mentioned that because like I had that in my notes and I didn't bring it up on WFAN because I'm like, no one is gonna know who Mac is. But like <laughs> I hope he wins it, right? It sucks that the NBA is at the point where the stars are like, nah, I'm good on that, and they have to go in the G League. But he is a known dunker from high school, so I hope the kid puts on a show and wins it. His mixtapes are unreal. I've watched you, Look up Mac McClung on YouTube. The only reason anyone knows him. like his, his He played his, all right at Georgetown. He, he, yeah, he, he did play all right at Georgetown, but his highlights from high school of him in-game dunking were ridiculous. For his height, he's got bounce. Um, Last thing I'll say before we wrap up here, I went back. It was – January 20th, 2020, not 2019, but I was having a conversation with my my boy the other day. I'm like, the years between the pandemic and like right after, like 2021 blurs into 20. Like, I, it's hard for me to even remember what was pre pandemic and what wasn't. But this was January 20th. So it was like two months before we fell into the pandemic. John and I went to the Nets game. The Nets lost 117 to 111. And Ben Simmons played 42 minutes. Had 34 points, 12 assists, 12 rebounds. Embiid did not play. He absolutely dominated the Nets and dominated Jared Allen. And I was close up for that one. And I was, you know, in in the arena the other night. I'm like, this is not the same player. The Nets are screwed. Either way, uh, (laughs) subscribe to the pod. We have our first review that I can read on air. Shout out to Julia, who I guess followed us over from the old feed to the new feed or maybe forgot or, or missed us for a little while. Um, she used to call in and write uh, to Talking Nets, I think last season, the season before. She says, five stars, great show. Loving the show still. 
I just need to play catch up since I've been busy and not listening much, but I'm going to start again. Yes. Come back in. If you're a Nets fan, that might have cooled off because of some of the controversy last year and the start to this year, whatever. The team played good for a month. KD is hurt. But this is the journey. This is the story. And we'll be here uh, to keep you updated on it as much as we possibly can. Mixing in smaller um, game previews. And after this, we're going to, uh, you know, do another smaller episode. We're just, you know, figuring out different ways to keep the, co- the content coming on the podcast feed. Um, again, subscribe to the pod. Write us a review. We'll read it on here. Uh, leave us a voicemail. Follow us everywhere. And uh, for Keith McPherson, Hudson Flynn, Robin Lumberg. What do you guys got? Anything else before we wrap here? Uh, I see Brandon Batts writes in the chat. Kyrie Irving appears to take a shot at ex-teammate James Harden. Nets don't have any way, anyone halfway in this season. It's funny. I don't know if he was referring to himself at all. Oh. He, said, he's not, he said, I'm here all the time. But I, I'm looking forward to that Sixers game let's, uh, based on that comment alone. Let's play the Kyrie video of Alex has that loaded up. Because Kyrie did say that. But then he also did mention himself talking about being a halfway in and out player in the locker room. Uh, don't worry about it, Alex. We'll you know load it up. Alex doesn't have it loaded up. Load it up, and we'll we'll record it on the next part. But Kyrie spoke to this year being different. This year, not the same. And he took accountability for himself. He said, you know, I'm not in and out of the lineup, and also in and out of the locker room. He's there full time, but we need him to be there full time and lead the team in scoring. And like he said himself, he's got to be a better example for the team out there on the floor. All right, that's all we've got. Uh, Talking Nets episode 185. We will see you after the next couple games. The Nets, that, that's good to end on, too. The Nets have an upcoming West Coast trip. They have the Spurs at 8 p.m. Tuesday, the Suns 10 p.m. Thursday, and then the Jazz 9 p.m. Friday. So three games this week and a back-to-back later in the week. This is another test. Um, I did not see KD on the bench for the Celtics game. Um, I did not see KD on the bench last night, I don't think, either. Whatever. I don't think he should take the trip to the team out West rehab rest rehab rest and uh we'll be back with an episode probably wednesday before the uh back-to-back games or whatever it is thanks for watching let's go nets let's go nets bro